Well, for the uh, past several weeks uh, throughout Advent, we have seen the shadow of the coming Savior in the covenants of the Old Testament. Now, on this day after Christmas, let's take a closer look at the one whose coming was casting its shadow over all of time and of all eternity. So please stand for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord our God, you who inspired this word, this day, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, let your word go forth. Let it go forth into your people, into your congregation, into our hearts, that its transforming power might do its work. We pray and ask all of these things because of what you have accomplished our Lord in all your work and we ask it in your holy name amen please be seated well a quick question uh, how many of you uh, remember the big gift that you got for Christmas last year do you remember what it was you may not remember it but I know my wife Pamela does in fact she remembers the big gift she got for the last two years because uh, they came very tastefully wrapped in big black trash bags. <laughs> you know, my fingers, I just couldn't get the package wrapped as it should be during a festive Christmas celebration. But in those trash bags was, first of all, a magic pot. And in the second one was an air fryer. <laughs> and of course, my motivation was to give these to her so it would be easier for her to do all the work she could do in the kitchen. Now, some might say, that's not really true. You did that so you could eat better. Well, not really, but I did. And maybe I didn't learn my lesson because, you know, last year, uh, this year, Santa Claus even brought her a Blendtec blender. So <laughs> what can I say? Now, if you can't remember those, can you remember some special gifts you got as a kid? I remember uh, my flexible flyer sled. It turned it out to be the fastest sled on the block and if there's snow and cold weather anywhere in Texas this winter, one of my grandchildren will be riding that sled down a hill. And then there was the 26 inch Roadmaster bike in bright red made by American Manufacturing and Foundry. It was made out of steel, no plastic, you know. And last but not least, there was the chemistry set. And being who I am the day after Christmas, guess what I was trying to make with sulfur, charcoal, potassium, nitrate? A little gunpowder! <laughs> Looking for some flash and bang. Maybe I found that later in my life, not so much then. So. 
scratching your memory on this day after Christmas and the rest of the days after Christmas to come, where should our hearts and minds be? We're in the context of covenant. That's where we've been for the last several weeks. And in that context, context, the author to Hebrews gives us our answers. And the first answer he gives us is that our hearts and minds should be on the God of our peace. May the God of peace, not the peace of God, but may the God of peace, who by his power raised the great shepherd of the sheep from the dead, the words are placed first there to emphasize the fact that it is the God of peace who is the one who meets our very needs. And we needed a God of peace, for we were God's enemies. Romans 5 says it plainly like this, while we were God's enemies, he was reconciling us. Now just don't think of that as past history in your life. Think of your current history. In James chapter 4, James says, Enmity, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And if we make friends with the world, and it's really easy to do in the place where we live, right? All that good stuff that's out there. If we make friends with the world and love it more than we love God, then we are, as James would say, we are his enemies. Romans chapter 3 repeats this 16 times. None are righteous, no, not one. All have turned away. No one seeks God. It's clear that we were enemies of God and God reconciled us. God canceled the debt that stood against us when we were enemies, not when we were his friends. Now, it's important that what we really need is the God of peace. We saw the extent of God's wrath in the covenant with Noah. You remember? It was because of the sin of man, the sin of the world, that God, with a flood, destroyed the world. And when he put the bow in the sky, he said to Noah, never again will the waters become a flood and destroy all life. The promise of that covenant was, never again will his wrath come in that way. But sin is not done. It is not over as was confessed this morning in our time of confession, we still wrestle with it. There is yet another coming of God's wrath to end sin, and Peter describes it like this. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It is absolutely so clear that what we needed was a God of peace. And that was the proclamation of the angels. In Luke chapter 2, don't you remember? Glory to God in the, in the heaven and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. It was the message of peace from the God of peace. That was the message of Christmas. Peace to those who were his enemies. Now, you might have missed it, but 80 years ago this month, we recalled and remembered the attack on Pearl Harbor. The Japanese decided to become our enemies, and they attacked Pearl Harbor. It was described, as you would, if, uh, by President Roosevelt as a, a day of, of that will live in infamy. 
The uh, commander of the Japanese fleet, Admiral Yamamoto, said after that, I fear that all we have done is wake a sleeping giant and fill him with terrible resolve. The war in the Pacific was engaged. The war in the Pacific continued and was a bloody conflict. And then near the end of the war, when Nagasaki and Hiroshima laid in ashes and destroyed, what the Japanese needed was someone who would make peace with them before they were totally destroyed. And they would meet the one who would make peace with them on the deck of the battleship Missouri in Tokyo Bay, and peace would be made. Well, peace was made for us not on the wooden deck of a ship, but on a wooden cross where Christ would make that peace. And so what we have to consider as we consider the God of peace is if, for example, the Japanese really needed someone to make peace with them, how much more did we need a God who would make peace with us when we were and are his enemies. So the first thing on this covenant Christmas, the day after it, what we need to remember is the God of peace. And so the question that automatically comes to us from that is simply this. Do you have peace with God? And you can remember that. You can remember that with joy. And this day, this day after Christmas, will be filled with rejoicing. And so, as we think about that, as we say to our hearts, yes, I have peace because of Christ. What does the author of Hebrews say that we need next? He says, next, you need to focus your heart on the work of our great shepherd, our great shepherd, who through the blood of the eternal covenant was brought back from the dead. Jesus, the great shepherd. What was he about? We're told in the book of Luke, as he's headed up to Jerusalem to offer his life as a sacrifice, he runs into a corrupt tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a, a short guy, and he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd. And what he did, he ran ahead and climbed up a tree so he could get a look at Jesus, and Jesus stops beneath the tree, and Jesus finds Zacchaeus up a tree. He was a man up a tree. You know, that's generally where Jesus finds you and he finds me. We're treed. We're treed by our own sin. And he said to Zacchaeus, this day I must come to your house. I'm sure Zacchaeus said in his heart, why? And Jesus answered the question simply. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. In John 10, he repeats over and over again his identity with the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd of Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd of the Old Testament. When he says the Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How many of you uh, remember uh, how David filled out his application to do battle with Goliath? You know, that was sort of a big deal. Goliath was a giant. And uh, this little shepherd boy was going to enter into a contest of mortal combat with him as the champion for Israel. A giant against a little shepherd boy. Spears, shields, and sword. 
and a sling and some stones. And David's application to Saul says this, he says, your servant has already slain a lion and a bear. You see, the great shepherd not only has to defend the sheep, not only has to seek them and to save them, the great shepherd has to destroy not only their enemies, but his enemies. The shepherd, if he's going to be a great shepherd, has to be kind, diligent, and tough as nails. That's what Jesus did. In John chapter 3 verse 8, it says the Son of Man came to destroy the work of the devil. And Jesus has done that. He took that penalty that was against us and as Colossians chapter 2 says, he took it and he nailed it to the cross. It was literally the death of death in the death of Christ, as John Owens would say. Jesus has done that. You know, who here is not aware of the pandemic that we're in? We're in it. One of my daughters recently came down with COVID over the weekend. It's close to home. It may be right out there and we don't know it. And we would like somebody to defeat that. And to defeat that, every one of those spores of COVID-19 would need to be destroyed. Now, there's a greater pandemic out there. It's the pandemic of sin and death spawned, if you would, by the devil. And our shepherd who lives and reigns right now by his shed blood in the eternal covenant has done it all. So this covenant Christmas, this day after a covenant Christmas, what our great shepherd says to you and to me, even as he said from the cross, it is finished. The giant is dead. Amen? Amen. Amen. The giant is dead. So, we're not really free from COVID, but we've been set free by the work of our great shepherd from sin and death. And as we think about that, the writer to Hebrews now gives us a third thing to think about. He calls us to think about our future of eternal glory. We even now are equipped with everything good for doing his will and what's pleasing to him. Though we may not do it, we are equipped. Because one day we will be in a place where we will give him, our great good shepherd, glory forever and forever. Have you thought about that? It's going to be over. All the bad's going to be gone and the good will come. The old will be past and the new will be here. The pain will be diminished. The tears will be dried. Sadness will depart and joy will reign forever and ever on this day after Christmas. What we need to remember that that is God's gift to us in His Son. Freely given neither earned nor deserved. On the day after Christmas, you have to hold on to that. Because as he came on the first Christmas, he is coming again. I go to prepare a place for you, he said. 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to you, to take to you to myself so that you too may be where I am. He is returning to make us our own in his Father's house forever and forever. The Westminster Shorter Catechism question one simply asks this. What's your reason for living? What's the chief end of man? What is God's end for you and for me? And it answers it by saying this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy glorifying Him. Enjoy Him forever and ever. Not just a little bit, but never-ending joy. Never-ending joy joy and blessedness because Christ has come and done all that is required that we could never ever do. So on this day after a covenant Christmas where should our hearts and minds be? I would suggest very clearly our hearts and minds should be on the wonder of Christ as the fulfillment of the eternal covenant. Pamela's father's name was Jacob. Jacob was a highly successful entrepreneur, a very generous man, and a philanthropist. He was a lifelong Jew. Pamela had prayed for his salvation for years. Often, she was prevented from having private time with him to share the gospel. At age 97, when he was failing, Pamela was at his bedside with to, the, to, do the, what, to have the opportunity to do what she had long prayed for. She had prayed that she would have this chance to share the good news with her father. She did. And Jacob after she did that, said to her, can a lifelong Jew become a Christian? Yes, of course, was the answer. He believed God and asked God to save him at 97 on his deathbed. He did that. And the last words that I heard Jacob say were this. Now I have peace with God. That day, the God of peace who made his covenant with Abraham came to this son of Abraham and made peace with him through the blood of the eternal covenant. Two days later, the good shepherd of Israel would find him, put him on his shoulders, and carry him home to eternal glory. The covenant of Christmas was now fulfilled for Jacob. Is it fulfilled for you? This day is that promise of eternal glory sealed to your heart by faith in Christ and the very promise of God. Today is the day of salvation. If it is not, today call upon that one who came to seek and to save sinners. And he will grant you forgiveness of your sins 
and life eternal. Let's pray. Father in heaven, take these mighty words in this feeble effort and by your spirit bring life to the dead and bring rejoicing and joy to our hearts. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs>